0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the War on Palestine podcast. This is episode three, recorded and published on November 3rd, 2023. I'm one of the co hosts, Nuda Erekat, joined by Ziad Abu Rish and Bassam Haddad. We're continuing to offer this podcast as a digest of news that's happening on the ground. This war on Palestinians, this genocide continues unabated today with an attack on the doors of Al Shifa hospital, a massacre of the injured, a massacre of convoys headed to the Rafah crossing to to receive treatment and so we understand it can be overwhelming the emotional toll the amount of news the geopolitical developments what's happening at the un and the diplomatic front what's happening within the united states and in congress across the media landscape what's happening with grassroots activists who have only increased their resistance and their voice, their takeovers and their efforts to shut it down, to say no, to say no, to say enough, to say cease fire now. We are offering this as a resource to help mitigate the burnout at the moment, to consolidate this information so that you can pace yourself, so that you do not tire and continue to agitate to end the genocide, to demand a ceasefire, and to continue, to continue to push for the decolonial efforts that Palestinians have insisted upon.
1: Once again, while the impetus for this program was the dramatic escalation of Israel's violence in the Gaza Strip, we want to emphasize, as we have individually done so elsewhere, that Israel's campaign against the Gaza Strip is not Gaza-specific. It is Palestine-specific, in the end, what is happening in the Gaza Strip today is an, is an intensification of the decades of settler colonialism and apartheid practices of the Israeli state, even if by many accounts one of its most violent iterations ever. Let us now turn to the details of this most recent iteration with Ziad.
2: As listeners might be aware, Israel began a total assault on the Palestinians of the Gaza Strip on October 7th, 2023. This involved converting its 17-year blockade of the Strip to a total siege, cutting off electricity, potable water, and the movement of international aid. 2.2 million Palestinians live in the Gaza Strip. Over 70% of them are refugees or descendants of refugees from the 1948 ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Over 45% of the Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip are children, and over 80% of the 2.2 million Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip were dependent on international humanitarian aid to meet their basic daily needs before October 7th as a result of Israel's blockade and other policies. The Israeli military has reinforced its total siege of the Gaza Strip with a continuous campaign of the indiscriminate bombardment by means of artillery, drones, and fighter jets. Israeli bombardment has damaged or destroyed over 40% of housing units and over 40% of educational facilities. It has also destroyed or damaged 11 bakeries, 21 hospitals, 52 mosques, and 7 churches. The 13 remaining functional hospitals have warned they will shut down in a few days due to running out of fuel needed to operate their generators in the face of Israel's electricity blackout of the Gaza Strip. Israel has further issued evacuation orders to all these hospitals, the medical staff of which have refused to obey given their commitment to treating the wounded, let alone the ill, and the newly born. At least 350,000 non-communicable disease patients, 50,000 pregnant women, 1,000 kidney failure patients, 9,000 cancer patients, and 130 neonatal newborns in incubators are at a significant elevated morbidity risk due to these conditions. As of November 3rd, the U.N. Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs reports that the Israeli bombardment of the Gaza Strip since October 7th has killed over 9,257 Palestinians, injured over 22,911 Palestinians, and displaced over 1.48 million Palestinians of the 2.2 million Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip. In addition, in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, Israeli military and settler violence have killed over 143 Palestinians, injured over 2,247 Palestinians, arrested over 1,000 Palestinians, and displaced over 1,000 Palestinians through confiscating or demolishing their homes. Since October 26, the Israeli military has been in what it identifies as the second stage of its military assault on the Palestinians of the Gaza Strip. This includes several ground incursions from the north and northwest of the Gaza Strip. Analysts have noted that the Israeli military ground strategy is to cut off Gaza City and the remaining part of northern Gaza from the rest of the Gaza Strip, as it then attempts to militarily take Beit Hanun and Beit Lahia before attempting to besiege and then take Gaza City itself. In fact, the United Nations has warned that the Israeli military ground incursions have brought to a halt the movement of any relief for the 300,000 internally displaced Palestinians in northern Gaza. On November 3rd, for the third day in a row, the Rafah crossing between Gaza and Egypt temporarily opened, allowing for the evacuation of 300 to 400 foreign passport holders. Also on November 3rd, 47 trucks carrying humanitarian supplies crossed from Egypt into Gaza through the Rafah crossing. This amount represents just over 8% of the daily aid that entered into the Gaza Strip before October 7th and does not include any fuel. Today, November 3rd featured some of the most brutal Israeli military targeting of Palestinian hospitals, ambulances and shelters. The United Nations Relief and Work Agency, UNRWA, decried the targeting of their shelters and have announced that they are no longer able to provide aid or shelter in northern Gaza and no longer have access to accurate statistics given the intensification of the Israeli ground incursion into the area. At the regional level, the most significant development was the speech by Hezbollah's Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah today, Friday, November 3rd. In his speech, Nasrallah asserted that Hezbollah has been engaged in supporting Palestinians and the resistance movement in the Gaza Strip as of October 8th. They also asserted that they were equally as surprised by the operation as everybody else was. What most listeners were looking for is to understand if Hezbollah would announce a new phase or new stage in its engagement with the Israeli military since October 8th. Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah had indicated that Israel had failed to achieve any of its military objectives in the Gaza Strip and that Hezbollah's engagement with the Israeli military across the Lebanon-Israel border was meant to support Hamas and other resistance groups in the Gaza Strip. In other words, for the time being, Hezbollah has no intention to escalate its operations across the Lebanon and Israel border. However, it did warn the United States that any preemptive strike by the United States or Israel on Hezbollah in Lebanon would result in dire consequences for both of them. At the grassroots levels, major efforts are pouring into the planned march in Washington, D.C. for Saturday, November 4th, where other protests are also planned for major cities around the world. We also have begun to see mobilizations at municipal levels in various U.S. cities. Richmond, California, and Providence, Rhode Island passed city council resolutions calling for a ceasefire, reflecting the growing demands articulated by a majority of people in the United States. Also important was the occupation of 30th Street train station in Philadelphia by Jewish activists and their allies, opposing the Israeli onslaught of the Gaza Strip and calling for an immediate ceasefire.
1: Thank you, Ziad. We will now move to Noura, who will tell us about the U.S., the U.N., and the ICC.
0: On November 2nd, A group of UN experts issued a statement warning that the Palestinian people are at grave risk of genocide. They went on to say that the time for action is now. Israel's allies also bear responsibility, end quote. At the more diplomatic front, the government of Jordan, Chile and Colombia have withdrawn their ambassadors from Israel in protest over the Israeli besiegement and bombardment of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. In the United States, the Center for Constitutional Rights, together with the National Lawyers Guild, has sent a letter to every member of U.S. Congress informing them of the risk they face by not calling for a ceasefire and by sending over more military support. For Israel's aggressions. They have warned them that genocide does not have a statute of limitations and can be prosecuted indefinitely at any time, provided them with the legal notice that what they do has legal consequences. In the U.S., policy. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken headed to the region to meet with Israeli and Jordanian officials. He claimed the goals of his visit were to do what he can to alleviate the humanitarian situation and prevent an eruption of a regional war. Such concerns reflect a growing concern among the Biden administration that the U.S. is increasingly finding itself isolated in terms of its unlimited support for the Israeli assault, and that such support, is also having negative repercussions among Democratic voters, to say nothing of the Arab and Muslim community voters in swing states like Michigan. We have seen in the United States that 66% of Americans support a ceasefire, that 90% of people aged 18 to 35 oppose what President Biden is doing we have seen that the biden administration is coming up short in order to explain how it is that israel on 27 days of bombardment of dropping one and a half times the amount of nuclear uh, weapons of what was dropped on hiroshima has failed to achieve any of its stated military objectives it has just begun its ground invasion and at best at best has extracted a single captured soldier. Nevertheless, Blinken and the Biden administration remain committed to not securing a ceasefire, instead indicating a slight shift in U.S. policy, which is in favor of temporary pauses to support humanitarian aid flows. This was evidenced in the opening of the Rafah Crossing to allow those in dire need of medical uh, care that they cannot receive within Gaza to exit to Egypt, to receive receive it, to allow those with American citizenship or other foreign citizenship to exit. So far, some 70 Palestinians with American citizenship have left. Also relevant, to the U.S. policy is the U.S. House of Representatives passing a 14 and dollar military aid package for Israel. The vote took place on Thursday, November 2nd and broke down 226 in favor and 196 against, though the large number of no votes reflected Republican op- opposition to the Ukraine component of the legislation as the Biden administration has tied the fate of its support for Israel to support for Ukraine. Despite this, there appeared to be important cracks in the edifice of blanket support for Israel. Senator Dick Durbin was the first senator to break ranks with the Biden administration calling for a humanitarian truce.
1: Thank you Nouran Ziad. This concludes our November 3rd, 2023 episode of the War on Palestine podcast, a regular program of approximately 20 minutes comprising updates on what is happening on the ground in Palestine as well as some focused analysis on how to make sense of those developments. Today's episode was hosted and produced by myself, Bassam Haddad. It was written and presented by Ziad Daburiish and Nur Aliqat. Research for this program was conducted by Anas al-Khatib, Mais al-Alami, Sarah al-Yahya, Raneem Ayad, and Alaa Atiyah Mutwali. Find out more on palestineandcontext.org, and we hope to speak with you soon.